Hello, I'm Dan Aykroyd, and welcome to this fine motion picture emporium. It's nice to know you're here tonight, rather than at home shoving cheap little plastic cartridges into cheap imported video systems that keep you and your family hostage in your own home or apartment. Now, let's face it, big screen entertainment is what it's all about. We've enjoyed it for years. Movies are great. There's nothing like a good movie, or even a bad one for that matter. How you doing? 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 Welcome back, my friends, to the podcast that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. I am Joe Spiegel, and sitting across from me again is... Mike Sutherland. How's it going? It's going okay. This is our Live by Night episode. Live. Mr. Ben Afflecken. Batfleck? Ben Afflecken? Afflecken? Afflection? Ben Afflecken. Afflection, yeah. It's a new movement. Affliction. (laughs) Yes, he uh, he uh, wrote the screenplay, he produced, he directed, and he stars. Sure he produced it? Because I didn't see his name in the producer's credits. It's uh, Leonardo DiCaprio produced it. I, oh, yeah, DiCaprio's in there, but I, I don't, um, I, I recall that, yeah, man, Mr. Afflection is there. Because he'd been wanting to make this for a few years, um, but then he uh, got involved with uh, Batman. Yeah. So he put it off for a little bit. So, but yeah, it's he. He's a producer, man. Just you sure about that? Take take Joe Daddy's word for it. All you, right. You're sure about that? Yeah. Okay. It's it's on the wiki. All right. And wiki's never wrong. <laughs> no, never. <laughs> All right. So we'll be talking about that fine film. We'll be talking about my flick of the week, which is going to be the 2015 film, The Big Short. Yours is going to be? Sheena, Queen of the Jungle. Sheena, Queen of the Jungle. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is that a Roger Corman film? No. Is that a Hammer film? No. <laughs> Sheena, Queen of the Jungle. All right, all right. We'll find out, won't we? All right, uh, and then uh, when it comes to news, uh, if Mike's got something to talk about, we'll talk about it. Otherwise, all I saw was a Chips trailer. I haven't seen anything. So, uh, <laughs> all that and so much more, or a lot less, on a couple of Average Joes, Cinescape Presents. Take it away. What? Stop fucking things up. You don't need to do this all the time. <laughs> it's not that difficult. It's always difficult, Mike. It's a struggle. A couple daily. of average Joes in Escape Presents. Oh, oh, that's what we need. Another picture of a white woman in, in front of a. Uh, Shut Africa. up. <laughs> Don't need your fucking opinion about movie posters. I, I Isn't this an opinion piece? No. No, it's not. You want to tell berating, me what it is? I was berating you because you <laughs> keep. All, all, all you have to do, all you have to do is at the end when you're done, you say, take it away, Johnny. That's it. That's all we do. You just said it. Yeah, I know. All right, let's get on. That's all we do. Let's move on with it. Instead of a couple of average Joe's Cinescape presents. All right, here we go. Hold your ears, folks. It's (laughs) showtime. Meanwhile. You know what I, I learned? No. Don't have a tuna sandwich and then have a peanut butter sandwich. Who the fuck does that? I did. 
You now it just does not feel right in the belly. Why would you have? It's like mi- mixing wine and whiskey. Ugh. Yeah, it's uh, it's a powerful combination. In it's a, yeah, your breath must be awesome. Well, I clean my teeth and cool. you know, chew yeah. the gum. It should be all right. Glad I'm sitting over here. <laughs> all right. So, Mike and I went and saw Live by Night this week. Uh, it is Ben Affleck's newest film where uh, it's set in the 1920s. Ben Affleck plays a character named Joe Coughlin who who was in World War One, and he comes home and decides he wants to be part of the criminal lifestyle because he doesn't want to answer to anybody. And so he decides to get involved with some, you know, with some uh, bank robberies and, and such uh, to, the, to the dismay of his father, played by Brendan Gleeson, who is a police captain. And what ends up eventually happening is the, uh, the learning of lessons for Mr. Affleck, his character, and all the consequences of his actions that end up becoming tragic for him near the end of the film. There's much more to it than that. But anyway, it is based on the 2012 novel written by Dennis Lehane, who has written a lot of films. He's also written, uh, I'm sorry, a lot of books that have been turned into films. One of his um, books that he wrote was Gone Baby Gone, which was directed by Ben Affleck a few years ago. Uh, but he's also I thought written, it was Gone Girl. No, 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 that's a different one. That was that was directed by David Fincher. No, Gone Baby Gone was about a, a, a kid that got kidnapped in Boston. Um the uh, the book of the same name, Live by Night, uh, was won the 2013 um, Edgar Award for uh, mystery. Uh, Edgar, I guess it's it's like for Edgar Allan Poe type you know novels, things like that. So anyway, um, now I could tell from the the way this movie went. Look, I I, I don't call myself an aficionado yet when it comes to movies because I'm not. There's certain things I don't catch, certain things I don't remember, but. There are certain things that I do notice, and sometimes I can tell when watching a film that it was based on something else. It wasn't just like, say, written originally for for the screen, that you could tell was based on previous material. Uh, When watching this movie, I had a feeling that, that this was based off something else, like a book, because it felt like there were things being cut out of it. And it felt like uh, the also the emphasis was spent too much on certain things that should have been spent on other things. If that makes sense, does that make sense? Yes. All right. Yes, it does. Sort of. <laughs> I mean, other than the fact that it says generally at the beginning of the movie, based on a novel or I know based on a novel but, written. But by. I don't know if I was paying attention to the beginning credits of the movie or not. Uh, I'm just telling you the way it looked and felt. Uh, I could tell that this movie was it definitely had that that feel that it was it was you know because I don't know it's just when you when you when you watch a movie that's based off of uh, adapted material it it's there's a different style that goes to to writing novels than it goes to writing screenplays and so you can see it sometimes you can see that mixture like say uh I don't know when you're can I bring up the counselor maybe you know, uh, no, nah, you know what? It's difficult for me, but, uh, I could just tell you get that vibe. I got the vibe with this movie. All right. Um, 
out of all the movies that Ben Affleck has done so far, all right, he's done uh, Gone Baby Gone, he's done The Town, Argo, and this one, Live by Night. This is the fourth film that he's done. This one has the ability to be up there with those other films, but it failed more monumental, <laughs> monumentally. <laughs> Momentously? No. Momentously. Monument- monumentally. <laughs> because it he did not deliver on what the most important thing is for a movie of this scope, which is for you for it to have substance. Tell a linear story. Yeah, it didn't have substance to it. It didn't it looks good. It's well shot. But I truly think that now I don't know how much of the movie was filmed. I don't know how how much uh, like might have been cut out? I don't know, but it looks to me like a lot of a lot of things were cut out, and there were certain things that were picked to run longer than other scenes. I also feel that uh, that it's just. I also feel that you're not on the same page with me, Mike. I'm listening. <laughs> I I want your input, man. I want to hear what you have to say about I'm this movie. Letting you do your thing. All right. I think. Look, off the top of my head, there are movies that had potential to be epic. You know, not you know. Some people think epic can be always has to be something that has to deal with dragons or or fucking swords, but it doesn't. An epic movie can be something that's just large scale, you know. This movie had the potential to be epic in in scale and scope and size. And instead, it just, by the time you hit the end of the film, it didn't get you there. It it didn't. It just, you know, there was plenty of impressing um, aspects to it, but there was not, it just didn't deliver that final blow. You know what I mean? There's there's so many good performances in this film, um, some that they spent too much time on, but then there's some that they didn't spend enough time on, and that you know what the actor the the use of the actors in this movie is the same thing as the actual storyline itself is that the, as a director or screenwriter or whatever you want to call it or even an editor, um, whoever's in charge of all of this didn't know how to properly balance it all. Because I disagree with that. They all know how to balance it all. What it comes down to is you have a committee. Uh-huh. Okay. They're, make a movie by committee, edit it by committee. Okay. Regardless yeah. of Affleck as the director, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The problem with the movie, and I understand where you're coming from, is, is it jumps all over the place. Instead of giving us a linear story, we understand Ben Affleck plays a character who's a, his character was in the war. And then he comes back home and he, he doesn't quote unquote bow. He bows to no man and he doesn't play sides except he's playing sides when it comes to his loyalty to the Irish mob instead of the Italian mob. Yeah. But again, he kisses no rings. And then 
he doesn't want to become a gangster, but he becomes the exact thing that he doesn't want to be. Yeah. Which happens to every, not everybody, which happens to a whole lot of people. Yeah. But the storyline and the, the progression of the character is such that you have voiceovers that carry you into the next scene, but it makes no sense to do that. Instead of, instead of, you could do the voiceovers, like when he was in prison, you know, and he gets out, he goes, you know, if my dad had lived two, two weeks longer, yeah. he would have, I would have been able to see him for one last time. That worked perfectly. That scene worked very well. And then he, the next scene is, is he's in front of the Italian mob boss. Pescatore. Yeah, yeah, Pescatore. Maso Pescatore, is that it? Yeah. And he wants, Pescatore wants Affleck's character, Coughlin, to go down to Florida to handle, what, the rum? Yeah, his rum um, bootlegging operation. Yeah, the bootlegging operation, which is, there, there's problems because there's always this, it, not intangible. There's this um, underlying vibe, I guess is a, the best I can say right now, mm-hmm. which is the Irish mob guy that Ben Affleck doesn't like because he has problems. Well, he was fucking the guy's girlfriend first and foremost. Yeah, and secondly, he, he almost had him. You know, he had him beat to death, half to death. Right, is also down in Florida. Yeah. Okay. It would have made for a much better story to parallel the Masso and what was his name, Albert? I can't remember the name of the uh, Irish guy. In oh, uh, Albert White. Yeah, thank you, Albert White. <laughs> it would have been much better to parallel those stories. So when you have Albert doing something and Masso doing something, and you have Affleck kind of caught in the middle because he's already caught in the middle. Yeah. So that when he goes down to Florida to deal with this shit. And he meets up with Dion. You, st- you, you have you. If it were done right, you would think that Dion's working for Albert and not for Ben, right? But the good thing about that is, is that that never happened, you know. Because in general, bad Hollywood gangster films is like, oh, you're gonna betray me. I know you are. It's like I'm totally fucking loyal to you. No, you're gonna betray me. I know you are. I'm gonna have to kill you. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, when he gets down to Florida, what happens is is that <clears throat> he figures out that all these other guys are working for Albert while he's trying to establish Pescatori's stuff and, you know, the barrels of whiskey or whiskey, the barrels of rum are being, you know, offloaded somewhere else, not really uh, being sunk or lost at sea or whatever, yeah, and it takes a lot of money to to generate the the business and get it running. And he happens to fall in love again. You still you parallel the Masso and the Albert stories, while you have Ben Affleck going through all of this stuff, but he's being pulled in either direction. Yeah, and that's the fault of the screenplay. You know, I understand what Ben Affleck was trying to do, but in this case, it wasn't a failure. It just, it was all over the place and not not giving us, he was trying to be Quentin Tarantino, 
but ended up being more like, or maybe he's trying to be like uh, the guy that wrote Sicario. Okay. You know. I can't think of the guy's name. Or Godfather. He was trying to be like Coppola, and he ended up being, and I, I can't re- think of a <laughs> a movie that's similar to this that's all over the place right now. What was a bad gangster movie? Gangster Squad? American, yeah. What was that What was that one with uh, Christian Slater in it that he played Al Capone or whoever? It was about Al Capone. It was, a couple, it was like 10 or 15 years ago. I, dude, I don't recall. I, dude, I don't know. Shit, that doesn't sound familiar. Thought it was called American Gangsters. Here we go. Taylor mobsters. Sh- Taylor, yeah. Oh God, yeah. Taylor Sheridan is that? Is Mobsters the one that had a uh, David Greek, Gre- Richard Greco in it? Yeah, David Greco. Richard Greco. It's this is not it. But Greco. Six percent. Yeah, I rented that shit when it came out and it sucked. Huh. See? Look, I really think that Google can read your mind. Huh. Yeah. Maybe maybe closer to the road to perdition than anything else. Public enemies, that's the one I was thinking of. Okay, well, yeah, with Johnny Depp and Christian Bale's going after him, yeah. Right. See? He played John Dillinger. Yeah. So, yeah, 2009. Yeah, Public Enemies was not a bad movie. I got four and a half stars from Roger Ebert. It was done by Michael Mann. forgot about that. Yeah. But I was thinking of that, but maybe it it may be a little bit more road to perdition or possibly American gangster instead of instead of what it really wanted it to be, what Vaflek wanted it to be, which was basically fucking the Godfather. Yeah. You know. But the cinematography was beautiful. You were talking about that. Yeah, it was done by uh, I believe the guy's name is Robert Richardson. He's won uh he won the Academy Award for cinematography for JFK, Hugo, and there was another one he's won, but he's been nominated multiple times. He was nominated for Inglorious Bastards, uh for Django Unchained, uh I think also for Hateful Eight. Uh yeah, he's he's worked with a lot of different big um big directors. So, I mean, yeah, the movie had a great look. You know, it, look, the costumes look great. The sets look great. The music was great. You know, the the, the camera work was really good. It j- and there was some there was some really uh, uh, iconic shots. I mean that that shot where that where that car or that cop car was wrecked in the water and they started catching fire. Uh-huh. The 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 perspective angle on it man was fucking awesome. Front and back. Yeah, and so the movie. Look, you know, I know you can always say, oh, hey, it's the it's a cinematographer, but. Ben Affleck's there too. He's in the director's chair, so he's he's telling the cinematographer how to shoot it. Okay, so he's, or vice versa. You know what I mean, though. They they're both got a hand in it, yeah, so they're working together. Yeah. So I mean, Ben Affleck's got a good eye, and definitely Richardson. He's proven he's got a good eye. So as a team, they they look they worked really well together at shooting this film. 
It's just that Affleck's character, I, you know, I, his character to me was like uh, up and down. You know, it, it didn't. He, was he a sympathetic character? Yeah, but also he, he seemed like a little too naive to be in the position that he was in. Right. Like, for example, I mean, the guy's smart. He seems to always, almost always have the upper hand on everyone that he's dealing with, especially when he gets down to Florida. But the, the things that end up keep that keep happening behind his back, that kind of tells me that, you know, his character wasn't fully, <clears throat> wasn't fully fleshed out or, or maybe... Or I, you know what? Maybe I, look. Maybe there's an underlying fact to it, to his character. I don't know. It could be something like, uh, you know, maybe he's just his arrogance is at a certain level, and it it catches up with him sometimes. Maybe it's that. But either way, his character. He didn't fully sell me on his character. You know, there's times where he acts really good-hearted. There's times where he acts heartless, and then there's times where he kind of acts like, you know, kind of like, uh, like kind of dead-faced. You know, it, it just. It was almost I, yeah. it's hard to describe. It just you have to see his character, you have to see his performance and go off of that. Right. You know? Now, I did a quick synopsis of reading about the book um after we saw the movie, of course. Um there were a couple things I noticed that were different from from the uh, movie, but the main the big thing that really the 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 one thing that bothered me and I I, I mentioned this after we saw the movie was Chris Cooper's character. He played uh, the sheriff. He played, uh, what was his name, uh, Sheriff Figgis. Um, I could tell that there was more to his character than they showed in the movie. And it was true. Because uh, when reading about the book, his character, um, he was doing stuff to his daughter in the book. You know, his daughter was uh, played by L. L. Um, L. Fanning. Right. Um, and that made more sense. It fit into more of the way that things were going on with his like obsession with her. Right. And things like that. Um, it, I don't know if they, that if Affleck cut it out for time constraints or what, or maybe he just didn't want to delve into that subject matter. But the only thing that gave you any kind of hint that he was like that with his daughter in the film version was when he was spanking her, you know, telling her that she was a sinner. Right. But that could have been taken one way or the other. You know, they, it wasn't. You can tell if it was sexual or not. It, you, for one way, you could just see it could be like the Carrie thing. You know, where it's just, just the overly religious parent that's, you know, chastising their children. I, I don't think so. Well, okay. Well, well, maybe I'm naive. I don't fucking know. But no, I think it had more, more to do with. I mean, that's why, you know, the wife left with the with their son. Uh huh. So you have the you have the sheriff that. His daughter goes to Los Angeles to be an actress, right? Yeah. You know, and the way he caresses her face uh-huh. and he's, he's happy for her and all this other stuff. But there would be no reason for the wife and the son to leave the sheriff when the daughter comes back with heroin tracks on her unless there was an underlying issue. And generally that underlying issue is... is he is somehow involved with that. Uh-huh. He knew what was going on, but never did anything about it. Just accepted, you know. And then when he saw the pictures, right, it was just it like. It confirms. Yeah. But he had probably already been doing things to her. Yeah. And that's what led him down this path of self-destruction anyways. Because generally, generally when 
you have abused, sexually abused children. Yeah. And then they go off on their own. They they seek out yeah. self self-harming things. Well, not necessarily self-harming, but to escape from this fucking savage reality. Yeah. You know. So what you're saying is the movie does 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 deal with it. It just but it's more way more subtle. Yeah, it's very subtle. Okay. In my opinion, that doesn't I you know. No, no, I could, I could see that. I could see that. I, I didn't, I didn't even. I forgot about the wife and the and the son leaving. Um, but yeah, it. But I, I think that it could have delved more into that because it, because there's a scene in the movie and look, um, one of the underused characters in this film for me was um was Elle Fanning's character. She see right here. It's revealed that she was sexually abused by her father. Yeah. Um. Her performance, like she was only in like four or five scenes total in the entire film, if that, but. All of her scenes had um, had poignance to them, um, especially the last scene that you see her, where she's in the diner and she's talking to to Affleck's character, and she pretty much tells him that she doesn't believe in God. She's just going through the motions because her dad wants her to. And the whole time she's telling him this, there's this blankness in her eyes, you know, like you. After you find out that you know she her character commits suicide after after that scene, um, it kind of makes everything fit into place with her character. Right. You know, you could tell that she had already made that decision that that she's never going to experience joy ever again. Um, life will never get better in her own you know in her own for, for you know preview. What do you call it? You know, for view. <laughs> you know what I mean. I hate it when I blank on words. Um. But I, dude, I just thought that she, her character was so compelling that she should have been in more of the film because of how good she was, um, and for her to be this good at 18 years old because that's when how old she was when they were filming it, um, she is. I think she's going to be a force to be reckoned with in, in Hollywood because I mean, hell, dude, when when they filmed Super 8 back in 2000, I think it came out in 2011 and they filmed it in 2010. I think she was only like uh, 12. 11 or 12 and dude she was already acting like a a full on mature actress at that time so uh, I think that she, you know she, hell she might even end up being better than her sister Dakota uh, because she's she's really good she was amazing in this movie um, another actress that I thought was great in this movie was uh, Sienna Miller um, as uh, she played Emma Gold um, I didn't even know that was Sienna Miller and I always forget about her but uh, her performance in this movie um, she totally sold me on the fact that she was Irish. I could, I, <laughs> you know, she might as well have been an Irish actress, you know. Um, and the fact that she was just so, she was one of those characters that she's repugnant, but she's also um, intriguing at the same time. Right. You know what I mean? Like, like. Like she's repugnant because she's so free spirited that it's like almost like she's like throwing it in your face kind of, but then at the same time, it's like damn, it's it's very sexual and it's very powerful at the same. Thing. So, but Sienna Miller's performance was just really good. Um, especially I love I love her um, last scene in the film when Affleck finds her after seeing that her in the picture and he goes and finds her and how she still acts she's acting like to keep you know she has her own walls up. And she's pretending that that she never really cared for Affleck's character. Just oh, we had a good time at the time. Right. She 
She was in the military science fiction action film G.I. Joe, The Rise of Cobra. Yeah, she played- Military um, science fiction film? Yeah. Fuck you. Yeah, she played the Baroness. She was hot in that. She was yeah, goddamn she was. hot. Um, it was like one of the only highlights in that movie. <laughs> um, but yeah, just just uh, that I, I love really good um, depth-filled performances like that from, from actresses. Uh now the the there was another actress that was like the, the opposite. Zoe Saldana is a very good actress. I've seen her in a lot of a lot of things, but in this movie, she was there just to be Affleck's love interest. Right. She didn't deliver anything special to anything in the movie. There was, you know, and then when it gets to that that last scene with her, that predictable scene, right? We both knew it was coming. Um. Where you know where Chris Cooper's character comes and you know shoots up the house, it look the it was predictable and that the, by it being predictable, it didn't it made the film not special in that regard. But also, even if that scene wasn't predictable, her character wasn't portrayed properly anyway. So even if if it had come as a shock, it still wouldn't have mattered because you never cared for her character, right? And and that, and that's a failure. Um, I don't think that's a failure of Saldana's because I think she just did what the you know the script told her to do. But I, I think that it's a failure as a, as Affleck as a director and also maybe as a screenwriter. <laughs> I, you know, something was missing with her character, and it just just didn't hit me. And when it, when this movie comes to the final shots, it just I kept wanting it to feel like okay, you brought up a good movie, dude. Road to Perdition. When Road to Perdition gets to the end of the movie, when his father gets shot, when Tom Hanks gets shot, and he and then he shoots Jude Law's character and saves his son right before he dies. Right. And then there's the voiceover of the grown-up version of that child, and he's talking about his father. And people say, well, you know, what about your father, the criminal? And he says, well, he was just my dad. That, you know, he goes, to me, he was just my dad. That was, I felt that scene way more than I felt anything in this entire movie. And that that's the failure of this film. Yeah, and it's in the book too. I mean, if you read, yeah, if you read the Wikipedia, it's. I think it's it's a cop out. Yeah, no pun intended. <laughs> but I think it's a cop out to, um, kill off a character because it because so, someone needed to go. Yeah, or it lends a a, a little bit of extra drama. Uh huh. To the, to the story, yeah. You know, instead of them just living their life, you know. Yeah, I mean, she could have been injured. She could anything could have happened, right? Yeah. The guy, uh, the sheriff, you know, ends up killing her in in a wild rampage when Affleck's character Coughlin goes out and shoots him. You know, while he's what happens is, is that they move to Havana. Uh. Affleck and Saldana's characters moved yeah. to Havana, and this wasn't said in the in the movie. You just assumed that that was happening. Yeah, and then the next scene is them in their house. Who knows where the fuck they are? Yeah, but they came back to visit in the United States, and that's when the sheriff finds out that he's in town and goes and shoots up the house. Yeah, well. Again, I mean, it's a. I think it's a failure in the writing of of the the of the writer, the yeah. author, to do something as 
Hollywood as that ending is. Now, I will say this. We have neither one of us have read the book, so even though we know what happens, there could have been more detail to it leading it's up to still, that. It's still it's still a it's a cheap cop out. But dude. in the movie itself, it just does this quick like, oh, like we gotta oh, we gotta get this part out of the way. And so it just shows Chris Cooper's character, you know, rocking in his chair saying, repent, repent, repent. Right. The next thing, and then this next scene where he's shooting up the house. Yeah. It was like, oh, it's, it just felt like, oh, we got to tie things up. Were you, did you watch in the background, the little kid? No. So the little kid's running around in oh, the background. And yes, he ru- did. And he ran out the fucking door. Yeah. I, I was like, dude, your son's going out where the fucking body's at. Yeah. He ran out the door. Yeah. I, yeah, I did notice that. I was, I cared more about that little kid who I couldn't even see his face at the time because right. of where the, the level of the camera. I'm like, dude. The kid, she, the kid's was, still alive. Yeah, I know. I, I was watching. I was like, "That kid's gonna run out the door." Yeah, watch him. You know, luckily there's a film crew there, but yeah, I'm pretty sure that he ran towards somebody. Yeah, you know, but you could hear his feet scuttle right out to the door, and that was it. Yeah, again, it, it's cheap. It's a it's a cheap way to end the movie, which. Zoe Saldana's character, I didn't. Um, I, I, there was no emotional attachment to any of these characters. No. Again, that's the fault of the screenplay. It's the fault of the writing. But yet, I felt Ben Affleck's and Sienna Miller's charisma, their connection. Yeah, yeah, the, and Al Fanning. Yeah. You know, but that's the the issue is is that throughout the entire movie, the only characters that I actually liked was Dion. Yeah. You know. I, I really enjoyed his character, the guy that played Dion. Yeah, Chris Messina. Yeah. And then- He was in Six Feet Under. Did you ever watch that? Yeah. He was in the final season. Yeah. I didn't watch much of the final season. Okay. wasn't too into it. But um, Al Fanning's character and Chris Cooper's character, the sheriff. Yeah. You know? Most of the rest of those guys I could care less about. I did like Pescatore's son, who was- um, Oh. What's his name? Max Casella. Yeah. Uh, his son was uh, Digger. Yeah. Yeah, he was- uh, I always remember him from Doogie Howser. That's right. Yeah. The Doogie Howser's best friend. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, this dude, this movie this movie should have been awesome. It should have been great and it failed. And that's what sucks is that um even though there were some really good points that, about this film, overall it didn't matter. And that sucks. That's sad. Yeah. You know. Um so uh what did we give it on Rotten Tomatoes? What was our uh, predictions for this movie? Because I'm pretty sure it's higher than what the the index is. Let's see. What do we got? 75. Oh, shit. Yeah, dude. <laughs> so we both predicted that three out of every four people would like this movie. Uh, three out of every four critics would like this movie. But and that as just of today, didn't fucking happen. And as of today, uh, I don't know, was it the 17th or whatever yeah. of uh, January, one out of every three critics like this movie. It's at exactly 33% approval rating. Nice. Um, now, you know what? And just I, I went in and I read some other reviews after I wrote. I didn't want to do it before I wrote, wrote my review because I, I wanted my review to be my own, you know, without being tainted by anyone else's opinions. Taint. That's a great word, isn't it? Great area. That's a great word. Um, so, <laughs> but then I read after I wrote the review because I wanted to hear other people's opinions, and a lot of people's opinions are very similar to mine. Um, and so, uh, here's what some of these people are saying: uh, David Edelstein from uh, from New York Magazine said, uh, "You probably won't want, you probably won't turn it off when it comes on cable, 
but the material needs to be bigger, more momentous, as well as more intimate. Okay. Um, David Sims from the Atlantic, he gave it a he gave it a, a, a thumbs up. He said one of the film's final set pieces is so wonderfully staged that it reminds you what skill Affleck has with the camera. Next time, he should perhaps confine himself behind it. Uh, I don't know what that means. That means that he was he's better as a director than he is as an actor. That's pretty much what the guy was stating. Um, he should have like stuck with one thing. I put that in my review as well, is that um, Affleck shouldn't have uh, spread himself out among all of those things for this film. You know, he should have picked a cup, one or two, and, and you know, let other people handle it. Other Again, if you don't challenge yourself, you don't know what you can get. You won't know what you can do. Sure, that's great and all, but the, the movie's still it's suffers. It's not great and all. It's the truth. If you don't challenge yourself. Look, <clears throat> as, much as, as much as I thought the movie was meh, it's not a bad movie. Yeah. However, you can't go through your entire life. You can't go through your entire work life. And expect everything to be smelling roses. You can't shit. You can't. You can't have unicorn poop every day. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Sometimes you have to eat real shit. And that that, that look that's fine and great, man. But the, also, a good leader knows that when he should be delegating. Not necessarily. Not just taking it all on himself. No, it has nothing to do with being a leader and delegating. It has everything to do with. This is what I want to do, and this is what I want to try. I haven't tried acting and directing, and a lot of people can do it. John Favreau did it in Chef and a couple of other movies. But the fact of the matter is is that you have to push yourself to do things, and I disagree with what that guy says. Maybe he should have stayed as a director. Or he's better at directing than he is at acting. Well, you're a fucking critic, <laughs> and you get paid to see movies. You know, What else have you done with your life? So there you go. I disagree with that, what, what he says. All right. Uh, Adam Graham from the Detroit News said that it sure looks great. It was lensed by Tarantino regular Robert Richardson, and its gangster movie tropes are familiar, yet welcome. Uh, Kate Taylor from the Globe and Mail, she's rated as a top critic, um, s- says she gave it a negative, saying, here the outlaw as hero trick just doesn't work. We can't both sympathize with Coughlin's moral quandaries and thrill to his crimes. I disagree with that, too. So, here's here's one from uh, Paul Whittington, uh, Irish Independent. Uh, the early scenes have a certain gritty intensity, but once Coughlin heads south, the film loses focus, and Affleck is cast adrift as the only three-dimensional character. No. Part of that was what you said, though. About how when it goes down south, the movie goes down south. <laughs> yeah, when the movie goes down, it goes down. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, uh, let me do a couple more. Uh, Edward Porter from the Sunday Times in the UK uh, says, in his fourth feature as a director, Ben Affleck is stuck with an inert screenplay and a bland leading man. Uh, God damn it. People use my words, even though she wrote it before I wrote it, I think. <laughs> This one lady from the SSG Syndicate says, fumbling and in focus, and it's fatally flawed. I use fatal flaw in the fucking review. All right. Uh, all right. Live by Night is the weakest work of Ben Affleck's trajectory as a director, and not even the good cast that backs it manages to get the movie going. 
live by night. He actually said live by night. Who who did? You did. What you did just I... said it. I know. <laughs> fucking live by night. My bad. <laughs> what am I supposed to do, Mike? So yeah, it, critics are pretty much, uh, you know, I, I agree with some of their takes on the movie, and and you know, it, it makes sense to me. I the, the movie's not a thirty three percent. Okay. No, it's not. You know, I this movie should have been at least an eight, but I gave it a five point five. It's just a little better than average because it fails to to give make me feel anything. Hmm. So it's a well, it's it, it it it's a it's a good movie. It just has that problem, and that problem keeps me from loving this movie. And that, and sorry, you'll never bring me back because of it. All right. Why are you apologizing to me? I don't, I'm, not, I'm just I'm apologizing to the microphone because it has to hear apolog- all my shit. Why are you apologizing to the microphone? <laughs> he didn't tell you nothing to you. I don't I don't want him to you know get you know vindictive or anything. Don't get mad, microphone. They didn't mean to treat you so shittily. Mm-hmm. All right, so. Mm-hmm. All right, so what would you give the movie, dude? About a four and a half. Okay, shit. I thought you'd give it higher than me. I thought you were going to end up giving it like a six or something. Nope. Um, there's too many problems with the movie. The ending is typical Hollywood bullshit. Yeah. And the the story is, it's difficult enough to keep up with the story. But when you get down to Florida, it really gets difficult because there seems to be no linear progression. It's, it's just spread one, all over the place. It's it's basically just it's like one good scene after another, but they're so spaced out yeah. that you don't really know what the fuck. What is what is Affleck's character doing? He just he's he's going to every bar and he's <laughs> doing this and he's he's talking, but nothing's getting done. It's like getting lost in the Everglades. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. All right, don't know where you're going. All right, so, uh, all right, so that's our our, our uh, thing about live by night or road to by perdition. Night. Yeah, road to mediocrity. Exactly. All right, so <laughs> on to our flicks of the week. <coughs> My pick this week is a movie that I truly believe that. Everyone who lives in this country, the United States of America, America? should see. Uh, it is called The Big Short. It is based off of a novel um, from uh, 2012, I believe, by uh, um, by Michael Lewis. Right. Um, this movie was so goddamn good that I watched it twice on uh-huh. Netflix. I almost watched it a third time. Um this is one of those movies that I really wish we had seen, but at the time, I don't even know if I saw any trailers for it, and I don't remember it even coming out. It came out- How in, the fuck could you not remember? I was like, we got to go see this movie. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Maybe I was preoccupied with some shit. I don't know. But it came out at the end of 2015. It was nominated for five Oscars. It won for Best Adapted Screenplay. And I wanted to use this film also as a segue from Live By Night. This is where an adapted screenplay fucking excels. And it excels big time. This movie's directed by Adam McKay, who, Mike, you're not a big I'm fan of. I'm not a fan of. But he made an extremely entertaining film and he knows where um he knows what points what what parts in the film to dumb it down so that the regular person, the quote unquote average Joe, can understand it because this he said movie it. what? 
He said it. I he said, said the it. words. I said it. All right, so let me give you a quick synopsis of the movie. When four outsiders saw what the big banks, media, and government refused to, the global collapse of the economy, they had an idea. The big short. Their bold investment leads them into the dark underbelly of modern banking where they must question everyone and everything. You read like you're in fucking high school. Is it really that atrocious? It's awful. Really? It's it's dreadful, dude. You read like this. The mainstream economic theory of regulation treats politicians. Fuck you, man. It is not that bad. It is. Oh, God damn it. brokers among interest, interest groups, bootleggers and Baptists is a specific idea in the I read that at a funeral, and I was told that it was very good, but it was by my mom. So maybe she was just fucking, well, shut up, Mike. You suck at reading. All right, let me read it again then. No, don't. You don't need to. <laughs> Pay practice, man. Right? All right. Just continue on from where you were. All right. So the movie is about, uh, I believe it starts in 2005, and it goes all the way through 2000, into 2008 when the, the big economic collapse happened yeah. from the housing bust. Right. The, uh, uh, the housing bubble. The, the book is called The Big Short Inside the Doomsday Machine by Michael Lewis. Yes. About the financial crisis of 2007-2008. Yes. Um, it has a whole shitload of actors in it. Um, most of them are in very small roles, which um, makes the movie even more interesting because it's not focusing on one actor for too long. It's bouncing in between these characters. It bounces between the people that discovered that, that the, um, the housing market was going to collapse before it happened. And that these people were trying to make some kind of a profit off of it, right? Which um, is what the big short means. Yeah, and but they were also disgusted with the system, um, and, and actually trying to get other people to notice what was going on, and no one wanted to pay attention to them, especially from all these lending companies and stuff like that. They didn't give a shit. Um, and the way this, uh, I'm going to bounce all over the place a little bit here, but the way this movie ends is very honest to the way the world works. The world doesn't work with happy endings with with rainbows and fucking butterflies. It happens with with uh disappointment and money being the biggest voice, okay? And anyone who's anyone who wants who who owns a home or deals with banks should see this movie. Hell, maybe even read the book. To, to see what these people did, these these lending companies and these banks, these big banks, um, continue to do. They continue to this day. They just they just repackage the same bullshit and still try to sell it to the American people. Um, it is it is scary to see what they look. Someone said that these banks had a big saying that it was uh, they are too big to fail. Uh-huh. And then they said, well, that was a lie. They weren't too big, but they were. They are too big to fail, and I'll tell you why. Because they knew that this was going to happen, but they also knew that the, the government was going to bail them out. So they did it anyway because they're too big to fucking fail. And as long as the ultimate dollar keeps you know calling the shots, that's just how they're going to get away with this shit because no one fights them on this. Um, what's great about this movie is it's funny. It, it, is, it is fast-paced. It is entertaining. And it keeps me interested the whole time, even when it's getting into its its numbers and stocks and bonds jargon. It it is still entertaining. It's still full of energy. Um, one of the the brilliant things that this movie will do is when it's trying to explain something about like a subprime mortgage 
or shorting a, a bond or things like that is it will say, oh, well, let's just go to Margot Robbie in a, in a hot tub to explain this to you. <laughs> And then it has it goes has Margot Robbie in a hot tub, and she's explaining this to you in layman's terms. And then she goes, "Now fuck off!" <laughs> and then the camera leaves, right? And then there's another scene where it's got Anthony Bourdain, you know, the famous chef, and he explains how they take all these shitty bonds that are getting old, and then they put them all together and do like a stew, and <clears throat> and then they repackage them and sell them, and people think that they're these next big thing, and they're not. They're the same old shit, right? And things like that, and it, it's really really intelligent how this movie does it um it lost the best picture uh, nomination to uh, spotlight which spotlight was about the boston um boston globe i believe uh finding out about the uh you know the the catholic church you know playing uh, musical <laughs> musical uh, priests yeah right um that scandal um that was a very good movie and i haven't done a uh a netflix pick on that one or i'm sorry pick of the week on that one but i also saw that film and that one did win Best Picture. And I'll tell you what, the big short, maybe maybe the subject matter isn't as important in the big short as it is about what these priests were doing to kids. But as a film, the big short is a better overall film than Spotlight is. Big short is entertaining and it just, it makes me angry and it makes me want to do something, at least for a moment <laughs> until we become, you know, distracted by our smartphones and shit. So, what is that? What are you saying? <laughs> like all of us, you know, people, we're always distracted, right? One way or another. Um, but this is just really cool, dude. I, I love this movie. Um, uh, also, Ryan Gosling is in it. He he plays this, this douchebag who, who also saw this hell happening, and he found a way to make a shitload of money off of it. Um, and he's full of uh, charisma and great acting ability. Uh, Steve Carell, holy shit, dude. Thank God he got away from The Office because he in movies is amazing. He is a great actor. He plays a character named Mark Baum who works for the bear market, I guess. Um, you know, and uh, it dealt with a little the bit. Bear market doesn't, it, the bear market is a term. I know. It, he works for something that deals with bear sterns. So I, I don't, I don't understand. This movie has a lot of detail to it. People that understand the financial sector would get a lot more of this movie than like, say someone like me. But like I said, it knows how to dumb things down at the right parts to, to keep you invested in the storyline. So, um, I highly recommend The Big Short. It is a fucking awesome movie. It is very funny. It's upbeat. It's energetic. <coughs> and it's very uh, riveting. And so, uh, it is currently on Netflix. Please check it out. Huh. Well, I... I I don't know how to continue on with this. After that, really good review. <laughs> uh, the movie also has Brad Pitt, Melissa Leo, and uh, and and uh, oh, a quick uh, appearance from Selena Gomez. Okay, <laughs> so <laughs> just you know all the actors. Oh, got Selena Gomez in it. You know what? Well, while you're thinking of your intro, there's one more thing. Christian Bale was in this. Um, he was nominated for Best Supporting Actor. Um, he plays a guy who runs this fund who um, he makes investments for his clients. And he's also able to make predictions on, he can see trends, economic trends. And he saw this years before it happened. And he was warning all of his clients about this shit. And he was, um, he would stop investing their money in things to save his clients. And his clients thought he was crazy. And they started suing him and shit. You know, but come to find out, he saved a bunch of people a bunch of fucking money. <coughs> and uh, 
his performance, he plays a guy who's uh, socially awkward. And I don't care how you feel about Christian Bale as an actor. In this movie, he is fucking amazing. Uh, Just, I mean, goddamn. The guy has so much range as an actor. Very good performance. All right. Sheena. (laughs) Show me what you've got. Why why do you have to do that? I'm I'm, I'm blowing you up, bro. Come on. You're blowing me up. I'm blowing you up, brother. I appreciate that. Sheena. 1984, Columbia Pictures made a movie called Sheena, Queen of the Jungle. stars Tanya Roberts, Ted Wass, who played the dad in Blossom, uh, Trevor Thomas. It was directed by John Gierman, or Gillerman, and written by Lorenzo Semple. If you remember uh, Lorenzo Semple Jr. Um, and John Gierman, they made King Kong. The one with Jeff Bridges. Yeah. Lorenzo. Lorenzo Simple. We've talked about Lorenzo before. He um, he did <clears throat> Batman, uh, The Parallax View, Three Days of the Condor, and uh, there was another movie. Hold on a second. Papilio, The Drowning Pool. Flash Gordon. That's he. He's a executive producer on Flash Gordon. So and Never Say Never Again. So he <laughs> did a ton of really good movies, and then he wanted to do a campy Flash Gordon movie, and well, we all know what happened with that. <laughs> he also had a uh, a podcast or a v, uh, a movie review with it was like him and his wife. Uh-huh. It was actually pretty fucking funny. Okay, I, um, he's gone now, but uh, you could still watch his uh, his shows on the YouTube. Um, Sheena, five Golden Raspberry Awards, including Worst Picture, Worst Actress, Worst Director, Worst Screenplay, and Worst Musical Score. But it reportedly did some cult success on home video and DVD. Uh, the budget was $25 million. It made $5 million at the box office. <coughs> now, Damn. I've never seen, I never saw this at the movie theaters because I thought it was a fucking stupid movie. But it's a staple of, it was a staple of like USA when USA was just nothing but bad TV shows. Oh, like and, when they used to play Hell Comes to Frogtown? Yep, and Friday the 13th marathons all the time. Sorority Babes and the Slime Ball Bullorama. Yes. That was another one. Okay, yes. go ahead. <laughs> so, <clears throat> the whole movie is basically, uh, while investigating rumors of a mystical healing earth whose powers are said to flow forth from the sacred... Gajara Mountain, geologists Philip and Betsy Ames, Michael Shannon and Nancy Paul, are killed in a cave-in, leaving their young daughter Janet an orphan. Well, basically it's Tarzan. Yeah. That's really what it is. Janet is adopted by a shaman, and because of a prophecy about the cave-in, she is viewed as a child of the gods. Shaman? The one. She's the chosen one. (laughs) As she grows up, Sheena learns much from shaman, about the lore of the jungle and the ways of all its creatures. That's That was a sentence. Learns much from Shaman. She's even entrusted with well, the I secret his name. of telepathic communication with animals. And outsiders really, yes, I said it on purpose. Outsiders really disturb their territory since that part of Tagora 
is under the special protection of King Jabalani. Jabalani. <laughs> Clifton Jones. So what ends up happening is um, the king is being conspired against. Okay. And Ted Wass and his cameraman, uh, Fletch Agronsky, I don't even know where they count these fucking names, Donovan Scott, are in Tagora to do a story on the former football player, who that's the king's brother, uh, Prince Atwani, Trevor Thomas. <laughs> when when the king is killed and the shaman is, is framed for it, how the shaman gets framed for it is just the whole thing. Basically what happens is somebody had mounted a crossbow on a tree uh-huh. and had had it set triggered, had a timer trigger on it. And the way that it gets found out is somebody had knocked over the cameraman. And when they knocked over the cameraman, his camera pointed up into the tree right when the crossbow shoots into the king, right? Yeah. Or shoots at the king. It kills the king. So they're doing this documentary on this football player, uh, football soccer player. And while Ted and his cameraman are are going through the dailies, they notice something weird. They're like, oh, this doesn't look right. Well, it, it looks like it's all infrared. It's really fucking weird how they have the camera, the how the camera is set up uh-huh. to look like it's infrared when the whole, sh- it's like black and white and, and you can only see like certain angles and whatever else. They kind of, they figure out that it's actually an arrow. Oh my God, you can see it right there. And like when they're showing it on the TV screen, it's obviously a fucking crossbow shooting an arrow. And they are what they're going to do is they're going to try and smuggle this film out of the country. Mm-hmm. Well, what happens is heading to um, heading to a remote prison compound to interview the shaman, uh, Ted and Fletch, um, bear witness to the shaman's rescue by Sheena and her animal friends, Chongo and Elephant, Marika and Tiki, a chimpanzee, as they escape <laughs> back into the jungle after destroying the prison, Vic and Fletch follow soon after. However, Shaman dies of injuries. Um, this sets off a whole adventure to capture those three people. Sheena tells them what's going on. This guy's corrupt. And blah, 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 blah. Yeah. The film is fucking awful. Uh, let me just read the rest of it. It's not that much longer. Uh, Atwani obtains the services of Colonel Jorgensen, who's played by John Forgham, and his small army of soldier mercenaries, the Black Berets. <laughs> so fucking stupid. Their mission is to eradicate the Zambuli people so their territory will be open for strip mining. Vic must join forces with Sheena to stop the evil prince and his army, and along the way, Vic and Sheena fall in love. Oh. The climax of the film takes place on the African Serengeti, where Sheena leads her people against the mercenaries. Vic gets wounded during a shootout in which he succeeds in killing Atwani. Vic is healed with the earth and wants to stay with Sheena, but realizes if he tells the story to the outside world, then other corporations will want to destroy Sheena's home. Vic and his cameraman leave on an airplane to New York. Before leaving, Sheena records a farewell message on his tape recorder, wishing him a safe journey. The the ending the ending scene, the ending scene, the ending fight scene is Two trucks fighting, basically, all I could think of was the stupid Ice Cube movie. I, I always can't remember Rider the Rider Boys or, or... 
Yeah, whatever, the motorcycle on yeah. top of the fucking train fight. Yeah, biker boys. Thank you. So where we're, they look like two rams hitting it, two jackrabbits fighting. Yeah. You know, with their motorcycles in wheelie formation. So Ted Wass and the guy that plays uh, the Pr- Trevor Thomas, Prince At- Atwani, they are basically attacking each other with jeeps, okay? okay? And going after each other and shooting each other. And then from there, Sheena gets involved. And at the what happens is is that Ted Ted's truck flips over, you know, during this whole thing, and he has to escape. And it, it's I this movie's <laughs> fucking stupid. But the reason why I picked it is because A, it's a 1984 movie. Yeah. And B, it's got Tanya Roberts in it. And Tanya Roberts was fucking smoking hot. Was the, she in the on that seventy show? Yes, yes, she was. She okay. played um, what's the, Donna's mom, right? Yes, Donna's mom. Okay. Um. Oh my bad. Uh, Ice Cube was not in Biker Boys. He was in a movie that came out a year before that called Torque. Yes, that's it. Torque. Also had Dane Cook. Yeah, she was also in A View to a Kill. She played Midge Pinciotti, an actor named John Doe. An actor named John Doe. Yes. No, that was I was talking about Tanya Roberts. So most of Tanya Roberts' movies are basically her showing her tits. You know, she's always it's always cleavage. Yeah. And Russ Meyer type stuff. No. Just movies that showed off her cleavage. Uh. Her debut film was Forced Entry, followed by the comedy The Yum Yum Girls. Um, she was in uh, Fingers, Tourist Trap, California Dreaming, uh, Zuma Beach, Pleasure Cove, Waikiki. Not really Russ Meyer type films, but close enough. And, oh, she also played in The Beastmaster. Huh. This movie is, again, it's fucking stupid. It's a bad take on Tarzan. It's Sheena was a uh, was a comic series. I mean, it was it's a hybrid action adventure uh, soap opera. It was shot in location in Kenya. Let me see here. It's a uh, it was based on comic comic book character that appeared in the late thirties called Sheena, Queen of the Jungle, and it was it was these types of books that really helped define certain publishers. So you had Wonder Woman, Sheena, you had uh, uh, Rima, the Jungle Girl, Tarzan, things like that. Um, the problem is is that when when you get studios involved in making comic book movies that don't take the material seriously, you get movies like this or Flash Gordon. And that's the problem is that, how soon we forget, Lorenzo, when Lorenzo Semple gets into these modes of writing, he can write really, really good stuff. But the problem is, is that he lets, he lets his past dictate what the movies are going to be like in terms of Flash Gordon or in terms of Sheena. You know, 
that's that's the issue with these movies, with these studios. Hey, we're going to do it this way. But, I mean, why couldn't they fucking write a, a, a Sheena, Queen of the Jungle, Papillion style? Or The Drowning Pool, or Three Days of the Condor. All of those were actually really, really good movies. Never Say Never Again was a really good movie. Wasn't it like just a redo of Doctor Now? Yeah, that's exactly what it was. Yeah. Um, that's the problem with these movies. And if you look at what Lorenzo Sample has done, you know, between TV and 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 film, you'd be impressed. Sort of. I mean, he did make King Kong. And, he did do Sheena, and he did do Flash Gordon. But, again, <laughs> it's filmmaking by committee where they don't take the material seriously. Flash Gordon could have been fucking amazing, you know. But they didn't do it. They should have done it like Star Wars. They should have done Sheena, Queen of the Jungle, like the Tarzan remake. That was huge. That had, um, what's his name in it? Highlander. I know. I know I know his name. It was there and then it left. Michael Pere or whatever. No, don't look up his name. I, I know his name. Christopher Lambert. That's it. Lambert. <laughs> he played <laughs> God of Thunder Raiden. Not, not Hoglander. Stupid. So um my uh my uh flick of the week is the two thousand fifteen film The Big Short. <laughs> I actually I recommend people watching this. And the reason why I recommend people watching the movies that I pick is because if you have if you have an appreciation for film, no matter what, the the movies that I pick are to show you, especially if you're getting into film, mm-hmm. what to do, what not to do. Yeah. Now there are there are scenes in Sheena that are fucking fantastic. They're far and few between. Yeah, most of the acting is atrocious, and again, it's it's not taking the the material seriously. And I've said that multiple times, and I'm and I'm drilling it in. In order for anything to be done properly, you have to take the material seriously. Um, if you take it too seriously, it turns into Angley's Hulk. <laughs> yeah, definitely. God damn. If you if you do it just right, you have what Marvel is doing, and, which is opposed to the DC stuff. Yeah, and that's that's the issue. Um, in my opinion, the perfect the perfect representation of TV or film stuff for anything is the Marvel series movies that have come out: Batman the animated series, Superman the animated series, yeah. Justice League. Um, and a couple of others that take the material. They don't. They're not super serious with it, but they're they are right on the money when it comes to yeah the respect of the, the material that has that has come before. You know, um, there's a great where is it? There is a great 
it's not a book, but you can get the PDF. And it's the Batman the Animated Series Bible, written by the team, um, started by Bruce Tim. Here it is. This is the one I want. And this is this is basically what they say. The Adventures of Batman will incorporate many different elements of the Batman mythology. Our half-hour series will have a darker look and tone to it, keeping in line with the movie version and recent comic book interpretations with a nod to the crime films and novels of the 40s. We will combine both old and new in this dark deco visual design and create a fresh take on Batman. All right. What has changed? Anyone who's reading this already knows a considerable amount about Batman. For the past 50 years, he's been a major figure in everyone's childhood. His legend and lore have been told uh, in comic books, radio, television, and movies. Known to all is the story of the origin. Young Bruce Wayne, orphaned when a robber killed his parents, swore to devote his life and fortune to wipe out crime, etc., etc. Now that we've dealt with his origin, we can put it out of the way for the remainder of the series. We will... We'll say it here first. In the run of our series, we'll do no stories about Batman's origins. Now, they have done stories about Batman's origins, but it always leads into something else. The introduction of a new character or something, right? Right. Nothing about his parents' murder, the film they saw at the movies. Now, they did, and it's the Mark of Zorro. Yeah. They did show that. Uh, the film they saw at the movies, they were shot. The theater usherette, who happened to see them go into Crime Alley. Etc., etc. If you're thinking up stories along those lines, flush them. Batman is a solo act. Batman does not work directly with the police. He's not a member of the force or a deputized agent. There's no bat signal or hotline. Batman's a one man fight against crime. Robin is not Batman's full time partner. Our stories will be hard edged crime dramas with villains who play for keeps. Yes, many of them will come from Batman's well known rogues gallery, but they will be as wild, dark, and sinister as we can make them with an action piece at the end. That that right there is the genesis of Batman the Animated Series. They want the series to be very similar to the Fleischer Superman series. Identifiable, memorable adventures that audiences will want to see over and over again. What's wrong with that? Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with, with wanting to make a series just like that. A character who has problems. You know, he's at odds with the police. He's a vigilante. He's a menace. You know, he but he, he makes mistakes. Uh, he can fail. Um, and does quite often. And Bruce Wayne is the persona. Batman's the person. Yeah. That's how they defined it. Bruce Wayne is, is the guy that is, is the public figure. But Batman's the real person. Yeah. And it's amazing what they were able to do. And the problem with with a lot of these movies like Sheena is they don't do this. And that's why I pick these movies, because they're, A, not great. Yeah. And they show you the failure of the industry as a whole. Oh, yeah, like uh, Masters of the Universe. Absolutely. So there, there it is, Sheena, Queen of the Jungle. All right. All right, so we... It's amazing. We haven't. There hasn't been really any news that's been worth talking about lately. Um, I haven't seen any. There just haven't really been shit, and just uh, even celebrity stuff. It just, it just all seems to be political bullshits lately. It, 
Well, lately. <laughs> it's been for a while, but <clears throat> ever since the election, it's been even worse. It's just, goddamn, it's just more just bitter bullshit. I, bitter beer face? Yeah, goddamn. I, you know, and look, I, I'm not going to pick a side. I'm not. I don't I don't believe in picking the sides when it comes to this bullshit, but it's like, goddamn, dude, just take a break. Take a fucking... Some people are acting like Obama leaving is like, like, oh, they're kicking him out of his home. Oh, it's the end of an era. Yeah, it's it's it is the end of an era. It's <laughs> it's called a term. He had two terms. He's gone. Let's move on with our lives. Fuck, dude. So, um, the only thing that I saw worthwhile uh, was uh, a trailer for the new movie called Chips, coming out in uh, March of uh, this year. It, it of Did course. Did you just say the only one that I've seen that's worthwhile? The only thing, I'm sorry, the only thing that I've seen that's worthwhile. Uh, because, look, there there's, hasn't barely been any trailers lately. But, and I, I think there's a, bu- a bunch that are supposed to come out this week, like a new Logan trailer and a couple other things, but not yet. So The I'll, only thing that I've seen that's worthwhile is I think the Chips trailer. Yeah, look, regardless if the movie doesn't look like it's going to be great or not, it's still entertaining. It's funny, okay? It has some funny moments. And look... <laughs> The whole dude crotch touching thing was fucking hilarious. That was the only part of that fucking trailer that was funny. So, you know what? Look, the movie to me looks like a 21 Jump Street version of Chips. Um, You have two guys who aren't even fucking CHP drivers or CHP cops. They're, they're, um, they're, you know, from different aspects of, of police. One's an FBI agent and the other is a fucking extreme sports guy who is at is having problems with uh his home life so he decides to get a real job yeah and, and fuck and, this movie and amazing it, it's directed by Dax Shepard it's starring Dax Shepard and his wife Kristen Bell's in it again <laughs> I'm serious fuck this movie um look it's got Michael Peña in it and Michael Peña is always good and stuff I'm gonna try to reserve judgment. I, I look. I think that this movie's gonna be like Let's Be Cops. Um, it's gonna be, have funny moments, but all in all, it's just gonna be you know a, a forgetful, dude. Comedy. Look, Mr. T blasted the A Team movie. Eric Estrada blasts Chips at movie as pure fucking trash. Look, like I'll say it again, Mr. T talked a bunch of shit about the A Team movie, and I love the A Team movie. The A Team movie was fun. This is suck. <laughs> They don't even use an updated version of the fucking theme song. They got to use that, dude. You get just dubstep it, man. You dubstep the original. Yeah, dubstep. <laughs> let's, let's dubstep. Yes. <laughs> Two middle-aged Los Angeles motorcycle cops who are tasked with highway patrol soon find themselves in a situation like none other when a sadistic ex-cop and his motor vehicle theft hitman are wreaking havoc throughout the city. Played by Vincent D'Onofrio. And I like Vincent D'Onofrio, but he's only doing this for the money. So, yeah, but whatever. I, look, man, I, I want this to be funny, so until we see it, because we're going to fucking see it. Of course we are, because you have to see shit movies. <laughs> I mean, we. we hey, Ben Falcone's in this. Maya Rudolph, Ryan Hansen, Justin Chatwin, Jane Kaczmarek. Jessica McNamee as a young, tough California Highway Patrol officer. Fuck you. <laughs> Kristen Bell, Vida Guerra, uh, Guerrera, 
Uh, Rosa Salazar, well, Adam Valderrama. Brody, Wilma, Wilma. Yeah, it's got Fez. Wilma Valderrama. Fez is in it. Right. Isaiah Whitlock. Vincent D'Onofrio, Michael Pena, and Dax Shepard. Look, why? This is garbage. Fuck this movie. Fuck everything about this movie. If you can't, I just went through this entire <laughs> fucking rant. Yeah. If you can't respect what came before, don't do it. Do you know I remember an episode of Chips where uh, Billy Barty was driving a car and he gets pulled over? Yeah. Um, look, I will make a prediction on this movie. It will be far better than Let's Go to Prison. Two out of ten. You 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 want to make our predictions now? I'm making a prediction now. It's a fucking two out of ten. You think, okay, it comes out in March. I know it's yeah. It's, we still got we it's have two to, months away. I know, but we have to pick. See, look, um, we only have four movies that we picked so far. All right, we'll we'll do the list tonight, man. But I'm serious. I'm giving I'm giving chips. <laughs> well, I don't know where you're giving it. Uh, Ninety nine, and I'm giving it this. Look, it's got a bunch of dick jokes, and it's got Dax Shepard in it, and it never gets... I don't care. Anything with Dax Shepard in it never gets good ratings, so I'm going to say... my. Do you really think I'd give it a 77? I don't know. I had to write no, something. No, this movie is, is a fifth year below for me. It's um, I'll give this movie a 43. Really? Yeah. All right. I'm giving it a 20. All right. <laughs> Two out of 10. All right. This movie can suck me. But you do want it to be good, though. I want it to be good, but it's not going to be good. <laughs> I know. <laughs> You're such a bummer. You're the bummer, man. When I heard that they were making it, I'm like, I'm so excited. Yeah. I just can't fight it. <laughs> or hide it. Yeah. I don't know. Depends you're, on you're, what you're listening yeah, to. Yeah, you're about to lose control. I think you like it. Yes. So, look, Eric Estrada might just be talking shit just so he can get, get notice. I don't know. You know what I mean? But he's a huge star in fucking South America. He does. He he makes that dude makes more money than you can even think of. Estrada or nada. Yeah, Estrada or nada. <laughs> you know. And let's read his article. Come on, go go click on that. Click on that. That's what he just he tweeted. It's pure trash. Let's see. What, let's see. Come on. Let's he read. said it's pure trash. It's That's an, all he did was fucking tweet it. It's an article. Let's read. No, the it's not an article. He tweeted. Pure trash. Real chips never drew their gun. I will not see it. Oh, that's someone else. Uh, I didn't know that Larry Wilcox was on fucking Twitter. Hey, it's John. Optech MPG and enabled where hydro turbines? Fuck. So he's not acting anymore? <laughs> Just fucking with you. I don't know what he does. Yeah, let me go. I'm going to go next door and ask Larry what he does. Hey, Larry. How you doing, buddy? Hey, Larry. So uh, you're not doing chips anymore? So um, I'm going to make a boldest um, prediction here. Uh, Eric Estrada does not do a cameo in the new chips movie. I'm, go- I'm, I'm going to uh, take that bet. All right. All right. Because if he was, he wouldn't talk shit about the movie until after it was done. Because he wouldn't want to do anything detrimental to it, especially if he starred in it. Right. So, um, well, that's a damn shame. 
All right, I didn't really see any other trailers, dude. There was there wasn't shit. So, uh, you got anything else you want to add? Yeah. Hey, Larry D. Wilcox, update your fucking site. <laughs> Seriously. Who, who's Larry D. Wilcox? We just. Are you serious? <laughs> just fuck with you. <laughs> right. So. Uh, 2012 was the last update on this site. Come on, man. It's been four fucking years. Four so, and a half. So the next film that we will be talking about on a couple of... Uh, fucking son of a bitch. What? So, <laughs> so the next film we will be talking about on Cinescape Movie Reviews... You can't say it. And it's like our fan Our next film that we're reviewing on Cinescape... Movie reviews is Triple X: The Return of Xander Cage. The Return. Okay, I have no faith in this fucking movie. I don't either. And I also am tired of this fucking Justin Bieber trend of having characters that look like him in movies. Okay, John Wick Two has a character that looks like fucking Justin Bieber. All right, uh, this movie has a character who looks like Justin Bieber, the Lesbo chick from uh, Orange Is the New Black. Sure. And uh, this one has like eight of them. Yeah. <laughs> so. Eight of these millennials fucking running around with their hair combed forward and over their eyes and being extreme. Yeah. I I hate fake, dude. Just look. I know we could save it for next week, but you know what? Look, triple the triple X in two thousand two, it was okay for a moment. It was it was okay. It was like okay. We're getting a James Bond movie that isn't like James Bond. And it's cool because we see him jump off the Forest Hill Bridge, which is near where we live. So that's really cool. Hey, oh my God, they're in Auburn, California. Yeah. But. Holy shit. But Triple X still wasn't a great movie. It, it just, it, it had fun moments. You know, bitches come. But that, still. Still not a movie you really think about. I'd rather, I'd watch Casino Royale a million times before I'd watch Triple X again. So. Anyway, we're going to watch your mom in the shower. You know, is Ice Cube going to Oh, let me guess. There there was I saw a trailer uh-huh. earlier that had fucking Ice Cube in it. It was a triple it was a new Triple X3 trailer uh-huh. and it was when he had the rocket launcher and he was firing at something. Yeah. yeah. It was like right at the end. I'm like, "Are you serious? Is he going to be in the fucking movie?" Okay, cuz cuz what I'm thinking is in in Triple X2, the State of the Union that they, they say that Xander Cage got killed, right? And they even had a thing on the DVD, on the extended DVD, saying, uh, make you sure you... Oh, that's disgusting. Uh, that's funny, though. Make sure you squirt today. <laughs> they said uh, they had this little mini-movie called The Death of Xander Cage, and he goes into a building. They have a stunt double play him. He goes into a building and it explodes, and then his tattoo that's on the back of his neck, all bloody and shit, falls onto something to indicate that he's gone. But that's all you see is just a big chunk of flesh with his tattoo on it. What? You know, the triple X tattoo on the back of his neck. So to make you think that, you know, Vin Diesel died in the movie, right? That's so stupid. And so I was like, why the fuck did they even kill off his character anyway? They didn't need to. So, but I'm Apparently like, they, didn't, they didn't. But they didn't show him die. So they can always just say, hey, you know, I cut it off. I cut it off and, I, you know, I, I wanted to go live my life. Get extreme. So... <laughs> so, and then look at this is what they're going to do in this movie. Samuel Jackson's going to show up again. He's going to say, "Oh yeah, the, the Ice Cube guy." Prove, prove to me that you are still the Xander Cage that you should be. Yeah, where's the Xander Zone? That's what I'm He's talking just about. Say, oh yeah, the Ice Cube got killed. You know, whatever his name was in that movie, Chase. 
Did you bring your chase card? That was his name in the movie? <laughs> the fucking credit card commercials he does? Yeah, I know. It's in your wallet. Yeah. All right. On that note, let us say good night. Good night. <laughs> Cinescape out. Really? That's how you're going to end the podcast? Cinescape. Cinescape out. Goodbye. Cinescape. Cinescape done. Cinescape. Fuck you. Nancy Kerrigan was cute. Now she's even more dot dot dot. I really need her. <laughs> Get it? Need? <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Hey, I got an afro. White guy with an afro. That's Tom Jones, stupid. That is not Tom Jones. That's fucking Tom Jones. <laughs> I think you're full of shit. Buddy Greco. Yeah. That ain't unusual. Fucking Tom Jones. <laughs> All right. Good night. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Good show! Jolly good show! Jolly good show indeed! Hakuna Matata, bitches! Well, that's the end of the show. Thank you for listening. And please remember, share the podcast. Hey, hey, hey. What is it, Joe? Yeah. You see that little button over there? Yeah? Yes. All you what do button? The little share button. Which button is that? It says share. Sometimes it's a little arrow that goes in a circle. Regardless. It's there. Or more. So share. Share. Share that podcast. Click that shit. <laughs> it's simple. Please. We put we do put some work into this. Not a lot. Not a lot. Not as much as we should. But still, all you have to do is click the share button. Yeah. Click anything that says share. Like on our movie reviews, there's a Facebook share and a Google Plus. Pick one. We prefer Facebook, but you know. Spread the love. Help us grow. Spread the love, and we will spread our legs open for you. No, we won't. I take showers. Well, what is that one? Show the balls? <laughs> open your balls. Open your balls. <laughs> shower, yeah. Share, share, share the show. Share the hell out of it. <laughs> share. Give her some love. I sound like little Nikki. <laughs> Have a good night. Share. <laughs> This is the end. This is the end. Finito! The end, I tell you! We're all going to nibble the dust! Or go fuck yourself.